It's great stories we were hearing this morning about people connecting with God, how God had broken into their lives, how they're in, encountering Him. Some great stories there. And this morning we're going to be talking about how God speaks about connection. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the book of Malachi, which is the last book in the Old Testament. And we've seen that the vast majority of the 55 verses in Malachi are about God speaking to us. And so uh, the title of our series is Hear My Voice. And it's a really apt title because it summarizes what the message of Malachi is all about. God is a God who speaks. We see this right through the Bible from the beginning, the opening uh, verses in Genesis, right through to the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation. God is a God who speaks. A, first, a few weeks ago, I quoted uh, uh, someone called A.W. Tozer, a 20th century Christian writer. He said this, The whole Bible supports the idea, God is speaking. God is speaking. Not God spoke, but God is speaking. He is, by his nature, continuously articulate. He fills the world with his speaking voice. Malachi reveals the heart of God wanting to connect with us. I've been, uh, I'm into doing jigsaws in, uh, to unwind and I've been doing a jigsaw recently of uh, the Sistine Chapel. It's the painting, Michelangelo's painting of the Sistine Chapel and uh, in it there is part of Part of uh, the the jigs, part of the actual uh, painting that uh, Michelangelo did is the creation of Adam. And it's this painting and it shows Adam leaning back, resting, reaching up his hand. But the God of heaven coming across the cosmos to connect with human beings. To connect with the men and women they created. The picture is amazing. But what Michelangelo was trying to convey is simply staggering in its enormity. God wants to connect with us. God wants to connect with you. It's true. How amazing is that? And in the first few weeks of the series we've seen that God has a lot to say to people who aren't listening to him. God still speaks to us when we won't listen to him. Malachi is writing to people who are behaving like truculent teenagers. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've all been like that. Some of us may be still like it. Teenagers, truculent teenagers can be argumentative. These people won't do what God says. They believe he's God, but they're complacent and they take him for granted. Yet despite all of this, the message of Malachi is that God loves us. He is our father. He's our father. God loves us and he's our father. And God reminds us that he is great. He is God almighty and he will not be ignored. Malachi's message is relevant to us today, 21st century Winchester. Each one of us need to know that we're loved. Each one of us need to know that there is a Father in heaven 
who loves us, who is great and awesome. You see, we've all experienced what it is to be let down by people who say, said they loved us. Worse still, we've all let down people we said that we loved. The good news is God is not like us. In a fatherless generation, he is our heavenly father. And to cap it all, this father is great. He's great. We are just like the people of Malachi's day. We're truculent. We question God. God says he loves us, but we say things like, if you love me, why is it you're doing that? Why, is, why didn't you answer my prayer? I asked you to do that. You didn't do that for me. Why can't I have it now? We're just like that in our relationship with God. We treat God with disdain. We constantly, consistently turn our back on him. We say we believe in him, and yet, really deep down, we don't. We do what he says half-heartedly. We put him inside a box of our expectations. God is never our first thought. Rather, he's our last resort. Is God your last resort? Or is he your first thought? See, our actions demonstrate that we don't think God is that great. Malachi may have been written two and a half thousand years ago, but God is still the same. And sadly, so are we. God reminds us he's passionate to connect with us. If you get nothing else this morning, God wants to connect with you. So a few things I just want to share this morning. The first is this. It's about a broken connection. So uh, Annie, my wife, and I are trying to help my daughter find a car. And uh, she's living in Swansea, so Annie's been looking at cars, and we're just thinking, see if we can find a car for her. And uh, so we're thinking about, see if we can help get a car for her that we can drive down to Swansea to take to her. So that's been the plan. So Annie's been looking on Gumtree, looking through every day. She's get up in the morning. She's searching through. Steve, I found a car. Anyway, this week, we go to look at a car over uh, on the uh, east side of Southampton. Uh, uh, So we go over one night. Uh, It's about six o'clock. She's arranged with Giles. And um, so we go over to uh, look at the car. And we get there. We drive to the road where uh, uh, the postcode, because they don't tell you the house, they just give you the postcode. And we find this red uh, car that we think. So we think, oh, that must be the car. Um, I'm like... Oh, I, and he says, I'm just going to get out and have a look at it. I said, well, wait till he comes. And he says, no, no, I'm going to go and look at it. So she's wandering around the car, looking at the car, having a good look at it. And this bloke comes out of the flat uh, carrying a, a bin bag. And he's sort of like, sort of, she's wandering around the car. And he's like, and walks off, puts a bin in the bin bag, comes back in. Anyway, Giles doesn't turn up. And he uh, texts him, uh, uh, tries to ring him, no reply. 
Um, basically, we then suddenly find out that actually the car that Annie's looking at isn't the car. It's somebody else's car. And Giles has probably already sold the car but hasn't bothered to tell us. So it's all a little awkward. The point is this. Connection was broken. Annie's trying to contact this guy. He doesn't want to connect. He doesn't want to speak to her. Doesn't want to speak to her. We can't get hold of him. We're there trying to connect with him. He doesn't want to connect with us. He's, he's probably sold the car. We are a little like that. It's a, there's a broken connection between us and God. God is wanting to connect with us, but we don't want to connect with him. You see, God created us for a relationship with himself. He didn't do it because he was lonely or needy. God is completely content and happy in himself, in who he is. He is awesome, all-knowing, all-powerful. He is love. He is love. He is God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that God is one but three persons. It's a mystery. We may not understand it, but it's true. God was completely content in community in himself. But he was so loving, he wanted to create us to demonstrate his love. as an outworking of his love. That's what the Bible says. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is always the Father. Jesus is always the Son, and the Holy Spirit is always outworking uh, the, the purposes of God. God the Spirit, one God, three persons. Michelangelo was trying to convey in his painting on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel that God created us for relationship. God created us for relationship with himself. He still wants relationship with you. He still wants relationship with you. Even if you don't want to connect with him. Even if you're like that guy on Gumtree. Didn't want to connect. God is still reaching out to you this morning. We see, we get a hint of it right at the very beginning of the Bible. God coming and wanted to walk with Adam in the cool of the day. Created Adam. He wants to come and be with him. God created Adam for a relationship and created a beautiful garden for Adam and Eve to be in and to enjoy. And there's a moment God says you can have, you can do anything you want in this garden. You can eat of any tree except this one tree. I don't want you to eat of that one tree. It was God's way of saying I want you to be dependent on me and trust in me. And what does Adam do? One fateful moment. He believes the lie that God's holding out on him. That there's something better and he he takes of the tree that he shouldn't eat of. And suddenly there's a a rift between God and man. Adam wants self-rule. He wants to live for himself. Suddenly relationship is broken. Adam, there's a chasm between God and man. Adam's rebellion turning his back on, disobeying God. God is holy. God is awesome. God is all that he's ever been. And and there's now a chasm of man's rebellion. And each one of us have inherited that. And there's a broken connection between us and God. God created us for relationship. But somehow now our rebellion, our living independently, our desire to have self-rule 
rule our own lives. Mimi was talking about it this morning, this desire to be in control. We've got to be in control. God made us. He knows us. He understands us better than anyone else. And that relationship has been broken by our rebellion. God is no longer accessible. How can we come near to a God who is so great and so perfect? He's holy. How can we draw near? The Bible says that he's a consuming fire. Have you ever tried to, a a fire, you can't put your hand in the fire. You can't go too close. You will get burned. God is holy. He is other than us. He is different. He is God. What right have we to come close? How can we come close? We now live in a world that, that is distant from God. We occasionally notice the remnants of God's handiwork all around us, the wonders of creation in the, 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 the amazing beauty of the night sky, the natural world. And we, as we ponder on these things, something stirs in our heart that, that reminds us of an echo of something, that, something deep. The Bible says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. There is something in our hearts that's longing, a hole, a God-shaped hole in our lives. We were created for him. And God, there's something in us that yearns for that. Even when you don't even know what it is, there's a yearning for God. Only God can fill it. And we try and stuff so many things in that God-shaped hole. Possessions, wealth, relationships. We try and stuff things that they don't fit. Square pegs in round holes. It's a God-shaped hole. Only God can satisfy, truly satisfy. It's the message of the Bible. There is a broken connection. There is a broken connection. Listen to, maybe some of you have heard of Boris Becker, the, the, the famous tennis player. Boris Becker had everything going for him. There's been stories of him in the last year or so. He's lost all his money. Everything's gone wrong. This is a quote from Boris Becker. Very top of his game in the tennis world. And yet he was on the brink of suicide. He said this. I had won Wimbledon twice before. Once as the youngest player. I was rich. I had all the material possessions I needed. It's the old song of movie stars and pop stars who commit suicide. They have everything. They're they're so unhappy. I had no inner peace. I was a puppet on a string. There is something in the heart that's yearning. Money won't fill it. Success won't fill it. Only God can fill it. Do you realize there is a yearning in your heart for something greater? Do you realize it's a yearning to create, to connect with the God who created you. You see, in Malachi, God speaks to the religious leaders of the day, the, the priests. The passage in Malachi, and I'm just going to read some verses to you. That's written to priests. This is what it says. And now you priests, this warning is for you. If you don't listen, if you don't resolve to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you and curse your blessings. Yes, I've already cursed them because you have not resolved to honor me. These priests are not honoring God. 
For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge because he is the messenger from the Lord Almighty and people seek instruction from his mouth. But you have turned from the way by your teaching. You've caused many to stumble. So these priests, God's appointed priests, he wanted, God has always wanted to reconnect. And so the priests were away in the Old Testament of people connecting and reconnecting with God. And the priests did two things. One, they offered sacrifices. So where people's selfishness, rebellion, their, the Bible calls it sin, gets in the way of the relationship with God. The priests were to offer sacrifices to cover the sin so that people could be right with God. Their past could be washed away. But also the priests were to speak for God. They were to tell people what God was saying. God says live like this. That's what the priests were supposed to do. And yet the priests that Malachi uh, was talking about, they were a poor connection. There was a broken connection, but God looked to restore it, and he created priests. It was a foreshadowing of what he was going to do, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But actually, the priests were a poor connection. They were flawed. They they didn't do well. They didn't listen to God. They were a poor connection. I had a a friend I used to work with many years ago, and... uh, Uh, he was trying to sort out car insurance and so he had a broker who acted for him and the broker went and got the best price he could for the car insurance and uh, my friend paid the money and uh, carried on and uh, then he had an accident and uh, he went to the broker and said uh, I need to make a claim on my policy couldn't get hold of the broker he'd given the broker the money But the broker had run off with it. He didn't have insurance. These priests were a little like that. They were supposed to connect people to God. They were supposed to stand in the gap between God and the people. And they didn't want doing a good job. They were self-centered. It was all about them. They didn't listen to God. There was a poor connection. You see, the equivalent for us today is is in terms of leaders, whether it be in the country or even in church. Leaders set the tone. Leaders are to uh, create culture. These leaders in Malachi's day, these priests, they set a culture they didn't believe God. And the people, why would the people listen to God if their priests weren't paying any attention? Set a culture. God wants us to be a people who hear him. It's a bit like that with children. So if you're a parent, you're leading your children, your, your child. I was talking to someone recently and they were saying their, their child was anxious. And so they were praying for them. And they said, look, uh, when you get anxious, we're going to pray that God will be with you today when you go to, when you go to school. So they pray for them. And, and the child realized, wow, this is working. And so they would, there would be moments when they would go out and there'd be a big crowd of people and the child would feel anxious and they would say to the parent, right, pray for me now. And the, the, the parent's challenge is, yeah, okay, I, 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 I'm praying inside. No, 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 pray out loud. You, when you pray out loud, it works. 
And suddenly the parent is facing the challenge. Well, what are other people going to think? Well, they're going to hear me. Well, no, well, I, I, I can pray inside. Just, no, no, pray out loud. What a challenge. This child is following you. The parent was saying to me, I've been praying out loud. And my child is saying, come on now, pray out loud. That's when it works. Well, I, need to, I don't need to worry about what anyone else says. Because actually, if I don't do it, my child is going to think, oh, right. I thought, it, I, thought, I thought you prayed out loud. I thought it worked. Oh, right. Oh. Internally, the child's going to suddenly think, oh, Oh, it's, why are you not praying out loud now? What's got, you could create confusion. As leaders, we set the tone, we set the culture. These leaders in Malachi, they were poor example, a poor example. You see, Malachi, the whole point of Malachi, God is saying, you need help, you need to connect with me. I want to connect with you, but you need to be able to draw near. And the priests were not helping them. They didn't honor God, they didn't even revere him. In fact, they were causing the people to stumble. What a mess. What a mess. There was no clear connection. It was a, I've, got a, I've got an alarm clock, okay, radio alarm. I've had it for 30 years. When I left Swansea, I bought it in Swansea. I bought it with that. I still use it now. I tell you, you can't get a signal from it. So when I wake up in the morning, I wake up to white noise. So the alarm goes and it's... And occasionally you hear a, a word or two. That's what I wake up to. The connection is rubbish. It's a poor connection. And I put up with it. Are you putting up with a poor connection with God? Is there a poor connection between you? Maybe there's no connection at all. Maybe you don't even hear white noise. But maybe it is like white noise. Occasionally you hear something. God wants to connect with you. God wants you to connect with you. You see, there is a better way. There is a better priest. God knew that the priests in Malachi's day were not doing a good job. But it was pointing to a day coming where he would send a better priest. A better sacrifice. This is what it says in Hebrews 7. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. You see, God was planning a day where there was going to be a perfect connection. A perfect connection. I've referred to this picture before, but there's a painting by a guy called Francis Martin. Francis Martin served in the First World War. He uh, served in the Royal Corps of Signals, and he saw action uh, in, uh, as, as part of the, the, the Corps of Signals. The Signals, what they did is, in the First World War, there, there needed to be a physical connection between HQ and the troops on the, the trenches. And so they used to run a cable. And the signalman, the linesman, used to run the cable. But of course, in war, when armies are advancing and retreating, sometimes the cable ends up in between the two uh, sets of trenches, between the opposing forces. 
And when the artillery got off, sometimes the line got broken and connection was broken. And what happened, there was a, a real life incident happened that the, a linesman had to go out into the no man's land between the two sets of troops, between the two trenches. And under fire, he had to look to reconnect the cable that had been broken so that there could be communication, that connection could be restored. And as he did it, as he went out to do it, he got shot. And in his dying action was to connect the cable. And in rigor mortis, as death Rigor mortis set in, connection was restored. Francis Martin saw action, but he was a painter. And he, at the end of the First World War, he was commissioned, commissioned by the Royal Courts of Signal to paint that incident. And the picture you see there is the painting. It's called Through. It speaks to us of God who wanted to restore connection. In the no man's land of our sin, our rebellion, God wanted to restore connection and he sent his son Jesus into the no man's land of our rebellion. And Jesus, in his dying action on the cross, reconnected us to God. His dying action was to restore connection. Jesus was not a man like us. He was a man like us in every way apart from one. He never sinned. He never did anything wrong. He was perfect. He was the perfect sacrifice. The Bible says he was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was perfect. No need for any more sacrifices. The priest had to keep coming and offering sacrifices for his own sins. This priest, this Jesus, doesn't have to do that because he's perfect in every way. And when he died, he reconnected us once for all. No more need for any more sacrifices. Jesus has made the connection for us with the Father. Paul puts it like this, for through him we have access to the Father by one Spirit. For through him, through Jesus. Baptisms are a sign of people who are coming through Christ to reconnect. They have reconnected with their Father in heaven. That's what you heard these three people saying this morning. They have come. That ache, that God-shaped hole inside has been filled connection is made through Christ, through what Jesus has done. Jesus has gone ahead of us. Malachi tells us that God expected the priests to lead people to God, but also to lead people in the ways of God. That's what the priests were supposed to do. This Jesus leads us in a whole new way to live. We now need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, Hebrews tells us. He shows us the way to live. He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus shows us how to pray, how to connect with God. 
Jesus encourages us to pray big prayers. There's a great hymn by a guy called John Newton. John Newton was not a good man, but came to faith in Christ. His past was wiped away and he wrote hymns. And this is one of the hymns that he wrote. Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. If you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, you now have connection with the God who created the heavens and the earth. He can do anything he wants. And he loves you and he's your father. Pray big prayers. That honors God. Only God can do it. Only God can answer our prayers. He may not do exactly what we want because he knows best and he's God. Sometimes we don't ask aright. We ask out of selfish motives. But in the praying, as we pray, God changes our hearts and works on us. God wants us to be a people who connect with him, draw near through Jesus. Jesus shows us how to love people irrespective of who they are and whatever their background. Whatever your background here today, God wants to connect with you. Jesus shows us that all are welcome. But when you encounter Jesus, you don't stay the same. He changes us. He makes us more like his father. Jesus always, you, you see the, the way Jesus deals with people, he, he never condemns them, but he doesn't leave them in the place they're in. He says to a woman who's just been caught in adultery, he says, does anyone condemn you? No. She says, no. He says, no, neither do I. He says, go and sin no more. doesn't leave her in that place. He wants her to have a relationship through him with his father. God wants us to be fruitful in every situation, in what we say and what we do. We do it by being, remaining connected to God through Jesus. We read the Bible. We believe what the Bible says. The Bible is God's word. If God's word says it, we believe it. The Holy Spirit comes and takes hold of this. It makes it relevant today. A book written two and a half thousand years ago, the book of Malachi, is relevant to us today. God wants to connect with us. What an amazing God he is. God wants us to be people who live in relationship with him. Who know the Holy Spirit within us. Jesus is our example of how to handle criticism, rejection, persecution. He calls us to turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, lay down our lives for our friends. It's a whole new way of living. It's a whole new way of community. It's not a rat race when we're in the family of God. We love him and because we love him we lay down our lives for one another. See, people should see the reality of Jesus when they're amongst us. There's a a story in the Gospels. I'm going to finish with this. There's a story in the Gospels, and it's of a man called Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is blind. He's been blind from birth. You know, we're a little like Bartimaeus. We're blind at birth. We, We can't see God. We may have heard about him like Bartimaeus had heard about Jesus, but we can't see him. 
We're blind. We're spiritually blind, the Bible says. Bartimaeus is begging on the side of the road. He's got this blanket, this cloak that he's holding on to. It's all he's got. It's the thing that keeps him warm. It's the thing that, it's, it's all he's got. It's all he's got. He's got nothing else. And he's begging. And he suddenly hears that Jesus is going by. He, he can't see him, but he hears this commotion. What is it? What's going on? It's Jesus is walking by. And he starts to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And as he shouts out, Jesus hears him. In the midst of the crowd and the noise, Jesus hears him and stops. Jesus stops for a blind beggar. Stops for him. And he says, call him, bring him, tell him to come. Everybody else has been trying to shut Bartimaeus up. He's not interested in you. Why would he be bothered in you, blind beggar? Shut up. Bartimaeus just shouted all the more. And Jesus stops him and says, bring him, call him. Bartimaeus gets up and he throws his cloak down. Throws his cloak down. Jesus has called him. He wants to connect. He leaves his past behind. He's all in. There's no going back. If, if Jesus doesn't do something for him, he'll never get his cloak back. It's gone. And he comes to Jesus. And Jesus says, asks him the strangest question, what do you want me to do for you? He's blind. It's obvious. Come on, Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? I want to see Jesus in a moment. Connection restored. You may be here this morning, like Bartimaeus. You feel like blind. You've been holding on to things for years. Maybe these last months, you've been holding on to something and you've taken your eyes off, off God, off Jesus. Maybe you have never had a relationship with him and you're holding on to stuff of your past unforgiveness Jesus is here he's walking by will you are you shouting is there something in your heart saying Jesus stop for me today stop for me today I want to tell you he's heard your heart cry It takes you to do something. You need to let go of whatever it is you're holding on to and you need to come to him and you need to trust him to set you free just like those three people did today. Maybe you've been holding on to stuff, unforgiveness. Maybe you've you've just lost your way in your faith. This is a moment to let go of some stuff. If you know that God's been speaking to you today, I just want to, I want to pray for you. If that's you, I just want you to stand where you are. I'm just going to pray for you. If you know that there's been stuff you're holding on to, don't worry about anybody else. Just where you are, I just want to stand, I want to pray for you, and then we're going to finish with a song. If you know that you're like Bartimaeus, there's stuff you need to let go of. 
You want that relationship. You want something to be restored. Maybe a relationship has been broken. Maybe you've never had a relationship. God, oh God, I want a relationship with you. I want to know you as my father. This is your moment. Just right where you are, let's close our eyes. I just want you to stand and I want to pray for you. So if that's you and you just know you, you just think, God, I want to let go. I'm going to let go of some stuff, whatever it is. And I just want to encounter you. I want to know you. I want to know you as my father. I want to know your love again. Lost sight of that. Just where you are. There's a number of people standing. If that's you, don't miss this moment. Jesus is here. Just like he was in Jericho as Bartimaeus was crying out. Take a moment. Take this moment. Don't worry about anybody else. This is between you and him. Jesus, hear my cry. Why don't you take your stand and say, Jesus, hear me. Set me free. Right now. As I pray, I want the band to come out. We're going to finish with a song in a moment. Father, you, right now, you see these people. You see every person who's standing. God, I pray that you right now, as they, their heart cry has gone out to you, Jesus, I want you to come to them by your spirit right now. Holy Spirit, come and touch each person. For those who don't know you are coming to you saying, I want to know you right now. May they know that because of what you did on the cross, Jesus, they are forgiven. The slate is wiped clean. If that's you, right now in your heart, just say, Jesus, forgive me for all I've done wrong. Do you know there's things you need to just say to him right now, Jesus, forgive me. Father, may they know right now that they are forgiven, that Jesus' blood was spilt for them and you forgive them. If you've asked Jesus to forgive you, he says, you are forgiven. If you know that there's some stuff that you've been holding on to, right now, just say, Jesus, I'm letting go of that. Whatever it is, I've not done well in that situation. Just tell him right now, Lord, in your heart, just say, I've not done done well. I want to let go of that. As you do that, Jesus says to you, who the Son sets free is free indeed. He speaks to you and he says you are free. You are free. Holy Spirit, on all these people who are standing before you, I say come on them right now. May they know the truth and may the truth set them free. Holy Spirit, come and just seal that in their hearts right now. We're all going to stand together. We're going to respond to God and worship him. But right now, let's all stand together. And wherever you're at, this is your moment. This is a moment you can say, Jesus, stop for me right now. In this worship, come and meet with me by your spirit. Expect God to meet with you as you worship him, as you lift up your eyes to him. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Tell him in your heart, Jesus, I need a breakthrough in this situation. Come to me. Maybe you need to be filled with the Spirit. Say to him, fill me with your Spirit.